This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. It's embarrassing at this point. Talk about it all year. It's happened five, I don't even know how many times, pretty well every game. Come out and just soft all over the ice, not sticking to our game plan, not doing what makes us a good hockey team. We know we can be a good hockey team. Look what we did in the first period, and then we come out and do that. It's just an ongoing thing, I think, for us. We just, yeah, yeah, it's it's got to change. Yeah, it's not good enough. We showed in that first period when we're on the puck, when we're uh, playing hard, we're a tough team to play against, and you know our skill is going to take over. But uh, we give guys chances, uh, you know, from the middle of the slot, and you know, we're going to score some goals. So uh, yeah, it's frustrating and disappointing. But uh, yeah, I mean, credit to the guys to to get at least a point at the end. But can't give up five, six goals a night. That's not going to be uh, you know a good recipe for us. I mean, they had some big players make some big time plays, but. You know, I, again, I thought we kind of delivered it for them. And, you know, we gave them an opportunity and they seized it. That was pretty much it. I don't, I don't sit here and say the guys, you know, the guys are trying to game it out. We just, we just did some dumb things and uh, they ended up in our net. So it's, uh, you know, it's another one of those things you're going to give up just, you know, six goals in a game. You know, it's kind of miraculous that we got a point out of it. <laughs> and that's probably the only positive. You got a point. It's a big deal. I, I don't want to minimize it, but the way they got it wasn't satisfying. We're going to talk about it for the next hour. Nick Alberga from the Maple Leafs Network is going to join us around 1230. We'll get his thoughts on where this Lightning team is, where Toronto is. He's not going to have anything negative to say about John Cooper. That's his guy. Mm. But... Some of you have some questions about John Cooper that maybe we'll bring up on the show. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linelli. Lightning fall yesterday, last night, I should say, in overtime. We'll discuss it a little bit more. I'm Greg Linelli. Steve Versnick's our producer at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. You asked me on the post-game show, I'm paraphrasing, after you kind of ran through it a little bit, partner, you know, what did you make of it, Greg? And I, I think I gave you a couple of answers. I said, you know, big picture, you get a point. Uh, you know, looking back at this game, are we going to look at it differently come February or March, particularly if we see that the Lightning are in a, a playoff spot and feel pretty good about the way they're playing? We're probably not going to remember this game a ton. And the fact that they got a point, that's better than we've seen from some previous games where they haven't gotten anything during regulation. But... I also said I think this is pretty disappointing, and I don't care that the the other team had a pushback. They did. Good for them. You're up 4-1 at one point in this game. You're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. We heap their praises all the time on this show, and rightfully so, because of the track record and what they've done over the last handful of years. And I know every year is different, but the core is still in place. This group still has won a lot of games together. To not be able to hold a three-goal lead was really disappointing. And I got the sense just listening to some of the clips coming into the show today that players and coaches are kind of disgusted with maybe how things have transpired a bit this year. Well, for Brandon Hagel to use the words embarrassing and soft probably tells you everything <laughs> yeah, you need right. to know exactly. about where his mindset is at. Yep. So it's 
about the results, about the process. The result wasn't as bad as it could have been. They could have come out of that game with zero points, if not for Hagel, again, who scored a late goal and got the game tied. The process was fantastic in the first period, and then it was far, far below that in the second and the third. Now, what I said last night was Toronto had that game at Amelie in which they fired 52 shots on net. I thought they they kind of wrote the script from beginning to end in that game. Even in the second and the third, I'm not sure Toronto was continually writing the script, but the Lightning were not nearly as good after the first period as they were in the first period. I think that's what is getting to the players and to Coop is that they showed they could do it in the first period, and it wasn't just how they executed. It was how hard they played. And they didn't they didn't bring that same intensity and dedication to ensuring that the right play was made every single time. Because there is very little margin for error against the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially against their top line. And it wasn't that every mistake ended up in their net against the Matthews line, but enough mistakes ended up in their net against the Matthews line. That line had it going last night, just like Kucherov had it going in the first period. But if we look at kind of the the post-mortem of how these goals happened, even in the first period, and I don't think this was after an icing, but the, the Leafs got an offensive zone faceoff and the Lightning had the Glenn Denning line out there. That's an advantage for Toronto. But Glenn Denning won the faceoff. Lightning didn't clear the zone. And, and frankly, look, Matthew Nyes is a great player. He is a great player already. His first full season. And I think that they found something there putting him with Matthews and Marner. He had a terrific game. He had the first goal. He had a couple of really impactful assists. He got away with a few calls that weren't made. And I'm sorry, the way he tied up Glendening's stick, like I have seen that call hooking. And it led to a turnover. It led to a chance. It led to a goal. All right, no sense crying over spilt milk. The problem was that the Lightning had the puck even before that and didn't get it out. If you're going to do that against the Matthews line, you are asking for trouble. And it happened repeatedly in this game. Second period, we could see it right from the beginning of the period, Greg. The Lightning were not executing as well coming out of their own zone. They tried to get out, stay in. They tried to get out, it would stay in. Leafs started winning some faceoffs too. But just before the Matthews goal made it 4-2, to two, there was an unforced icing. And following that unforced icing, with the Glendening line out there again, the Leafs sent out the Matthews line. And it was like wash, rinse, repeat. Glendening won the faceoff. The Lightning didn't clear the zone. They had a coverage miscue, and Matthews was wide open. He was pretty far from the net, but he was open, and he had time to deliver one of the more deadliest shots in the NHL, and it was a perfect shot through a screen. Johansson couldn't see it because Nyes was screening him. So now it's 4-2, and the Leafs have some life. So... After that, the Lightning did what they could to make sure that the Glendening line was not out against the Matthews line. And in fact, I don't think Austin Watson played a shift after that 4-2 goal. I mean, you can go back and look, looking at the final game sheet here. So Watson played, yeah, he played only five shifts. He played four shifts in the first. His fifth shift was that one shift at the start of the second. So then the Lightning were able to get the Sorelli line out against the Matthews line. 
but they had a rush coverage breakdown where Matthews got behind Sorelli for a really impressive goal. Like, that was a, a very well-executed play by the Leafs. But again, the Lightning have maybe their best defensive forward out there, and, you know, Matthews is able to beat him and and score the goal. So now it's 4-3. to three. The rest of the second period, I thought the Lightning managed it okay, which is not to say that they were as good as they were in the first period, but at least they kind of leveled the ice. But then again, what did we see at the start of the third? And it wasn't against the Matthews line. It was against the Domi line. The Lightning have the puck in the defensive zone. They try a rim up the boards. It gets picked off, and like seconds later, it's in their net. So now the Leafs have momentum. They win the faceoff. The Lightning have a little bit of a miscue on kind of where players are off that face-off, and they go Riley to Nyes to Marner. He gets an open look from the left circle and puts it inside the far post. So we see a common denominator here of turnovers, many of them unforced, leading to problems, or problems off the rush against a very, very skilled team. So that's the anatomy of a loss. It wasn't like they were back in their heels over the final 40 minutes. But they made some mistakes that, how did Coop say it? We served it up for them. Like many of those mistakes were avoidable and they would have been avoidable had the Lightning brought the same level of intensity. And these are their words, not mine. But they know how the game went. The same level of intensity after the first period as they had in the first period. We can't discount the first period. I mean, the Lightning dominated that period. And... The Toronto Maple Leafs, they've got some defensive issues this year. I mean, the Lightning have been able to pick them apart in the two games this year. The problem is that the Leafs have picked the Lightning apart as well. And in that first period, I mean, Kucherov had it going, and the Leafs didn't really have an answer for him. Two goals and two assists in the first period alone. But the issue in the final 40 minutes, at least as it related to Kucherov, was he didn't have the puck as much. They weren't able to, to make the Leafs as uncomfortable as they did in the first period based on kind of the possession metric moving forward. And then overtime is another wash, rinse, repeat, right? They lost the faceoff. They never touched the puck. And they had a pretty egregious breakdown on the three-on-three, three, which is supposed to be man-on-man. Man, but they almost got caught in between man-on-man man and zone, which left Yarn Croak open at the side of the net for an easy tap-in. And he had himself a, a pretty good game, you know, especially later uh, in the contest. And, yeah. You know, I think the Lightning, uh, you get four goals, as I said before, and the way they got them. And we were talking about Kucherov and some of the things he was doing, the way he was playing. You, you felt like, okay, this was going to be enough. I also felt like maybe this was the first game, and you can sit there and ask me, well, Greg, which one do you want him to stop? Uh, all of that is acknowledged in terms mm. of, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to pick apart every single goal, but you feel like, Dave, when you give up six, do you have to make a stop? Yeah, I, I'm not going mean, to disagree that with that. You talked about the remound on the yarn croak goal for 4-4. Four, four. I mean, the Marner goal, when I first saw it, I thought it was upper corner. It was more inside the far post. Could he have stopped that one? I mean, yeah, I, I guess. And then you talked about the Matthews goal that made it 4-3 where he that was the one where he got behind Sorelli and he slipped in underneath the shaft of 
of Johansson's stick. I mean, none of those are easy saves, but they are. It's not like it was the Yarn Croak overtime goal on that one. He had no chance, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's fair. So that might have been the first one, you know. And Chief said, you know, I thought he was fine, and I I respect that opinion. I, I think it's more of a. I think I mentioned to you the the Matthews goal where the paddle was down. That's the one I was just talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I think that one is is a little bit. You know, I, I think you probably need to make the save. Was it? Was it Yarn Croak with the? Forget what goal it was. You had mentioned the rebound goal. The rebound goal. That's exactly what it was. And it, it, yeah, that Robertson was more of makes like, a pretty hard shot. It's though. a hard like, shot. Yeah, Again. and I mean the Lightning. So like, the, there were a few mistakes there. One of which was that nobody tied up Yarn Croak in front, but it was a bang bang play. The problem was the turnover. And maybe I harp on this too much, but you're never going to get out of the defensive zone cleanly 100 percent of the time. But if you have the puck and, and you have a little bit of time and you know this is a team that can really hurt you if you do turn it over, because then if you turn it over, you may be in a situation where guys are out of position. Like that puck needs to get out. And three of their five goals last night before overtime, three of their five goals came directly after the Lightning turned the puck over in the defensive zone. Yeah, I mean, so if we want to list the reasons on that goal, I would put the turnover ahead of the rebound or the not tying up yarn croak stick. Yeah, and I think that's all fair. So, if people want to react to some initial comments, there you can at Bolts Radio. The game really didn't get chippy too much, did it, Barton? No, in terms of what we thought potentially could happen, and you know, maybe that's because the lightning got up four one and. The Leafs still had 40 minutes to kind of claw back, and that's what they did. And, you know, look, another case where pulling the goaltender, I think, ignited the other team a little bit. Did, did I yeah. think Wolves was outstanding? No. But he stopped the bleeding, Dave. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how I would look at it. Now, you could say was that more of, of the Leafs and what they did in front of him? Sure, but he was the goaltender. He didn't let things get out of control. And that could have spiraled very quickly, especially after everything you and I were discussing before the game, that, you know, where was Toronto? Was there going to be some opportunities to really light the lamp? And in many ways, lighting did. But what was their what was their state mentally going into a game like this? Maybe that's mm -hmm. a little overrated because we, we have no idea. We're just assuming based off of some of the losses they've had and what we read in the media that, you know, maybe this is a, a team that needs a little more Toughening up, so to speak, mentally. And I, I think if you're Toronto, that's something you can build off of, you would think, Dave, coming back against the, the Lightning the way they did. Well, they, they've done it, though. I mean, these last five overtime wins they've had against the Lightning, in four of them, they've been down. Now, this last game, they were not down in the third period like they were in the others. But they've come back on the Lightning. Yeah. They've had incredible success. And maybe in that's overtime. a matchup thing. Maybe they just do that against the Lightning, too. I mean, yeah, I don't well, know. they've done it against other teams. They did it against Montreal, actually, yeah. on opening night, the, the Lightning's opponent tonight. What I believe, and this is true for the Lightning as well. I mean, Coop said, if you give up six, it's going to be miraculous. 
Well, he said it would be miraculous to get a point out of it. So I guess it was miraculous. They got a point out of it last night, but you're putting yourself in a tough bind to win the game. Look, the Leafs are giving up lots of goals too. And I think that probably the recipe for both these teams is to figure out how to keep the puck out of the net more. Having said all of that, if you have world-class players on the other side, you do recognize that, yeah, they might make plays. It's going to happen, especially that team. Yeah, and the big boys were making plays last night. Yeah. They were. If you want to react to anything we had to say there, you can at Bolts Radio. Tyler Mott played. I liked his game a lot. Yeah. Didn't you? Did you like it at the expense of AC Mott not playing? (laughs) You know, is that one of those things where maybe having them both in the lineup? Who knows? There's a lot of jam, a lot of speed. Well, yeah, hindsight is hindsight's twenty twenty, but the fact that Watson only played five shifts, maybe if they had to do it over again, Isimont would have been in for him. But that was the lineup that worked. I shouldn't say the lineup. Watson had a very strong game in Ottawa. He was impactful. Right. I think he had earned another he did. game. Yeah. He did. I think Isimont, though, did too. And I think that was kind of the interesting aspect to all of that. But that's that's quibbling. And I think... The lineup situation will be worked out uh, for sure. Um, and could you see a situation where both AC Mon and Mod are both in the lineup at the same time? Yeah, I, I think you could. And we'll we'll see how it, it plays out as well. Um, so that was an, another side note to what we saw last night as the Lightning take on the Canadians tonight. And it brings up a, a, an interesting game tonight, partner, because I think... You want to collect points. I think you also want to bounce back mm-hmm. from what happened last night against the team in Montreal who, you know, they haven't they haven't gotten off to the greatest start. But, you know, again. Better than expected, though. Better I mean, they than lost expected. their last two in regulation. Prior to that, I think they'd surprise some people. So they'll be ready, you would think. Yeah, and they, and they, haven't, too. they haven't played in several days. So since Saturday, I guess that's several days. But... You know, they will be more rested than the Lightning. And I don't know what to make of this first home game back after a long road trip. That's yeah. what the Canadians have. Because they were, they did the three-game swing with Vegas, Arizona, and then St. Louis is where they finished. That was their trip. Correct. So I don't know if they're going to be flat. I mean, usually if you lose the last couple on a long road trip, and it wasn't long in terms of games, but it was long in terms of distance and time. I mean, they were out there for a while. Maybe if you lose the last couple, you come in uber-focused, but I mean, this is still a team that is finding its way, I, I would say. And Credit to Marty, St. Louis. You know, he's gotten them playing well. They're off to a good start. But the Lightning want to make sure if, if they can win this game tonight, the Lightning will come home with five points out of four games on the trip, which is the minimum goal that Coop aspires for on any road trip. He'd like more than five, but that's a pretty lofty goal, right? Like it's not nothing to come home with more points than games played. And they've given themselves an opportunity to do that. I think the thing that's irking Coop and and the players as well is that they had a lead going into the third period in all three of the games so far on the trip. So they feel they've left some points on the table. Yeah. I think that's probably the way way to describe it. 
with the lightning the way you just did right there. Uh, Thomas says, when Hegel said, we have enough goals at the first intermission, uh, is a troubling sign on the complacency that is set in on this team. I don't know. Is he implying... I don't know what he's implying there. Well, just that they didn't bring the same level of intensity, maybe. So he's saying the Lightning became complacent. I well, get and that's what they're saying, too. I get it. I mean, that makes sense. Basil says, opting for optimism, both showed ability to dominate. 86 was magnificent. His first goal reminded me of the one in Game 4 against the Hurricanes. Um, too quick for the goaltender to react. Yeah, Samsonov has had trouble with Kucherov this year. Kucha scored four goals against Samsonov in two periods. And at least a couple of them have come about because Samsonov cannot get over from his right to his left quickly enough. Now, that's not an easy play for a goalie, but we have seen goalies get over in time to make that save on Kucherov. Yeah. Got to be quick. It's a quick shot. It's a quick release. Yeah. I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but probably more reasons why the guy needs to shoot the puck because he's got a tremendous snapshot. TJ says, defense was total failure. Perbix and Radish have been very disappointing. Where's Bogo? First round pick sitting on the bench most of the season. Bogo gets it done. What are they thinking? Well, um, Perbix had the icing that opened the door for the the second Matthews goal. It was an unforced icing. He wasn't yeah. the only one who iced the puck, but that was a costly icing. He he was coming off that game in Ottawa in which he was healthy scratched. I thought he had some uneasy moments. I've actually liked Radish's game since they reunited him with Sergachev, although he was the one that tried the rim that got picked off on the Yarncroke goal that made it 4-4. But it wasn't just those two guys. I mean, this was a collective exhale, if that's the right way of putting it, for the Lightning, where they had problems up and down the, the lineup. I mean, we talked about them. You know, the the Sorelli assignment with Matthews on the 4-3 goal. The Lightning had some issues. The three guys who were on the ice in overtime were Hagel, Point, and Sergachev. Hagel was with Nylander, but the other two guys kind of got caught almost in a zone. Right. So it's not just this guy or that guy. I mean, I think it was kind of collective up and down the, the lineup right. when things started to go sideways. Could be the, the process. If you believe what TJ said there with Radish and Perbix, I think they've been up and down more so this year than I can remember last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be the products of just being a younger player, relatively speaking, at the NHL level. They always say it's the hardest position to learn. When I say they, uh, anybody you listen to who's played hockey or, or watches it. And I think some of the shakeups with the defense pairings over the last maybe year or so, that can contribute to some of the uneasiness there, TJ. So do I think Bogo's the answer? I think Bogo is what he is at this point for this team. I think he's maybe your seventh defenseman, but can play as your sixth defenseman, and, and you feel pretty good about what he brings to the team. That's just kind of how I look at it, and I think you would anticipate Perbix and Radish getting better because they are younger, and, and that's what you hope for at least. Mm -hmm. Anthony says, we all need therapy after two games versus the Leafs. 
again, I don't want to be all negative, but I don't understand these mental lapses. I think it's on the coaching staff. Why Cooper isn't able to make them focus? Just dump the puck and finish checks after the first. I mean, it's easier said than done. Yeah, the, that's the, what the I was going to say. Easy answer. Go I ahead. Mean, these are professional athletes, high-level athletes that do things a certain way. And are there adjustments that are going to need to be made? For sure. I, I would agree with you on that. And is it because the coaching staff isn't reinforcing that? I, I've got to think no, Dave, because how many times have we talked or heard about John Cooper saying, look, three goals is enough to win a game. Four goals should be enough to win a game. It's how you defend from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in between periods, Dave, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we weren't in there. I'm sure part of the coaches speak in the second period or during the first intermission was, hey, guys, we're up 4-1. Let's not go chase five. Let's yeah. be tight defensively. And I mean, also, I'm pretty sure. Let's not change how we pl just played in the first period. Yeah. And look, no game is played in a vacuum. Regular listeners to the show know that I have said this a lot. There are two teams out on the ice. You figure the Leafs would have a response. But if the Leafs are going to try and have a response, then you simplify your game to make sure the puck gets out. For sure. High flips. Don't rim it around the boards if they're closing off the boards. By the way, that was a penalty. You mentioned Nyes being a great player, and and look, I, I think he's very Which one talented. are you talking about? The first goal. <laughs> yeah, I thought <laughs> he, so. He held Glendening's stick, and it yeah. wasn't just for a second. I mean, go yeah, watch Glendening the replay. He has like, the puck. Can't, he can't he's trying to. So it's what is not a penalty now, you can lift a guy's stick. You can right. lift a guy's stick and take the puck away. But if you go stick on stick, and, and here's the difference, like... Coop has talked about you got to tie up a guy's stick. If a guy's standing in front of the net and you put stick on stick so he can't tip a puck, that's different. Or if there's a rebound and you tie up a guy's stick so he can't get the rebound shot off and you're basically tying him up, that's okay. But if a guy has the puck, possession of the puck, and you slam your stick down on his stick so he can't actually get his stick to the puck, that is usually called like hooking is usually what it's called. It's basically the same as if you're getting your stick on their hands, so they can't make a play. So clearly the officials saw it differently. I thought I thought it was not a, a legal play. <laughs> yeah. But it led to the turnover and Nyes went to the front of the net and had a very nice finish there. So Yeah, I mean it's it's not the reason the Lightning lost the game, of course. It's just an observation. I mean that yeah. That can't happen. No, it's not the reason that they lost, for sure. And look, I'm looking at the penalties. I mean, Nyes did get called for one penalty. Kucherov got an interference penalty. I thought that was a penalty. There was a tripping minor on Sherry where he tripped Nylander. That was a penalty. And that was a play in which he tripped Nylander after Nylander did lift his stick and take, take the puck away. Right. Which is okay. Nick Alberg will be joining I'm us. I'm sorry. That was in the first period. That was Barry Boulay who did that. I don't remember yeah. the Sherry trip. but If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. I want to get to, again, Nick Alberga, host and director of Lease Morning Take, will be joining us here in just a little bit. 
Uh, Kevin says, what's a fair expectation for how long this new D scheme should take to return positive results? Seem, seems there have been many costly lapses. Well, the D scheme is not related necessarily to what you're doing with the puck coming out of the defensive zone. We talked about this when they had their problems earlier in the year with turnovers. But yeah, I mean, they had some D zone issues last night, too. I think there's I think anytime there is a change to a system, it takes a little bit of time. I don't know the answer in terms of how long it's going to take. You've got to think by Thanksgiving, guys have an idea of what's going on. If you think that is a legitimate gripe. So, you know, from what you hear from the team, it's not a huge structural change, Dave. So I don't know if this is like you can go that route. But I do think anytime you change things up and then you start talking about personnel, players moving on, and then you're, you're kind of combining all of that, I think mm -hmm. it does take a little time. However many games you want to quantify, I don't know. I don't know. But I, 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 think, I, I think there are some growing pains here. I think also, too, partner, you bring up a good point about you know playing with the puck. That shouldn't be as big of a, a learning curve. You got to make better decisions. Yeah. And I think that's that's half the battle, right there as well. And I think honestly, that's kind of what Hegel was getting at too, a bit. I know they're they're making some mistakes they shouldn't make, and I think that's probably what's disappointing. Uh, Baz also says, I was astonished by the number of unforced icing the Bolts committed last night. They are yeah. in complete control, and all of a sudden, the puck is careening down the ice. That does, you know, that can deflate a team, too. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you can't change, and you know that unless they just had a shift, yep. the Leafs are sending out Matthew's line. Right. And why not? And now you have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And that ends up becoming a, a, a bit of a problem. So it's it's not perfect for sure, and it it doesn't mean it's it's the end of the world for the Lightning. Um, they have time to figure out their structure, their play combinations, but I think it's a little alarming when you see a three goal lead evaporate. Of course, look if they had been down four to one and they had scored for the last five goals to force overtime and then lost in overtime, we might have had a yeah. very different feel about the show today. Yeah, for sure. But what's left in people's mouths is the final 40 minutes. And that's... And then losing again in overtime in similar fashion. For sure. To these other overtime games. I think we've got Nick Alberga, host director of Leafs Morning Take, the Nation Network. He joins us right now on... The show and Nick, are you there, buddy? Jens, how are you? How are you feeling oh. on this uh, Tuesday? What's going on? Ah, uh, well, we're feeling a lot better now that you've uh, you've joined us. <laughs> yes. And as you can imagine, the the Lightning faithful a little upset about what happened last night and blowing a, a three goal lead the way they did, and Toronto coming in struggling a bit. What did you uh, make of what you saw through sixty minutes and then overtime? Uh, it was an unmitigated disaster from both sides of the spectrum. Uh, first and foremost, the first period where Tampa's big boys showed up. They were snapping it around the Leafs. I don't know. Maybe they had a long weekend. Maybe they had some fun on Saturday. But it's been the uh, 
the story of the early season for the Maple Leafs. So I thought all around it was a sloppy night, uh, very similar to the first outing back on October 21st. Um, you know, obviously Tampa's missing an all-world goaltender in Vasilevsky. I, I think Jonas Johansson's exceeded my expectations so far this season. But I think if you're truthfully to ask John Cooper, yeah, it stings to to blow that lead. But I think he'd be happy grabbing at least a point. Uh, any point they grab here in the early going, I think, is good news for this team. So I know you're you're not looking at it strictly from the Toronto side because you have mm-hmm. a national slant, but you are in the Toronto media and you do host a, a Leafs yeah. show. I'm just curious, like, how did you see the game turning in the final 40 minutes? Was it that the Leafs got appreciably better or, and we had the Lightning players talk about this, they felt that their intensity dropped and they became, in the words of Hegel, soft all over the ice? Or do you feel it was a combination? I think it was a combination. Like, I'm not running around the question, but I, I think Tampa, for sure, they sagged. Um, that start was unbelievable. Like, uh, I've never seen Kucherov play that well, and I've seen him play really, really well, obviously, in his career. Hedman looked awesome. They just looked a bit tired. They looked like a team that was, uh, you know, on a bit of a run here on the road. And uh, not to make excuses for them, but I, I think the Leafs started playing a bit. Like, um, I think it was really deflating. I honestly think Toronto's start wasn't that bad, but they couldn't get a stop from Ilya Samsonov. This is the second time this season, as you guys know. He was pulled at Amelie back on the 21st. Now he gets pulled at Scotiabank Arena. He's really, really fighting it. And I think that's why there was a bit of a drop-off in the Maple Leafs game there in the first period of big-time sag when you know that you have to be letter-perfect defensively or uh, the odds are in the favor of the puck going in the net, unfortunately, because Samsonov is struggling so much. So I I think it was a combination of both. I would say in the latter half of the game, Tampa looked a bit tired, but I think they deserve a lot of credit because I think a lot of teams would just pack it in. We blew this lead. It's 5-4. Let's go home. But they tied it up, got it to OT. So I, I like the silver lining in that for the Bolts. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. And Nick, you mentioned Johansson has exceeded expectations, mm-hmm. and I think everybody here in Tampa, that's been the case. I mean, they are where they are in large part because of him. I think that's been a, a maybe the biggest surprise so far through 12 games. And then when you get Vasilevsky back, you may have found your backup for the foreseeable future. What do you make of the Lightning, their start, but also getting some goaltending to kind of keep that head above water? Yeah, I think it's, uh, Greg, it's been, it's been a mixed bag so far for this team. But if you were to ask me going into the season, uh, would they have this type of record through the first 11, 12 of the game, 12 games of the season? I, I would think they'd be hard pressed just because I had zero faith in Jonas Johansson. So first and foremost, like I want to give the guy credit. He's exceeded expectations. He's been way better than I could have expected. Uh, the big boys, for the most part, have showed up, specifically Kucherov. Uh, point the last little while. Hedman's been much better this year than he was all of last year. Sergachev's had his moments. Um, but I, I think it's been a mixed bag. That's probably the best way I would describe this start for the Lightning. But again, I always like to to rationalize it this way in this market and the team I cover in Toronto. It's a long season. There's 82 games. You're going to go through ups. You're going to go through downs. And I still feel pretty confident in saying both the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning will be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And maybe that's an indictment in how I feel about both teams right now, at least in terms of a regular season perspective. And uh, for sure, from the Tampa you know, point of view, the fact that they've gone this far and are still head above water without one of the best goaltenders on the planet, I think is a plus. And I don't know how that doesn't boost the roster when Vassie comes back near, uh, near Thanksgiving here. One last question for me on the Leafs, Nick, and then we'll 
get to mm-hmm. some other stuff around the league because these teams are not going to meet now until April. Actually, their yeah. last two games in the regular season will be at the end of the regular season. I'm just curious about like what is this Leafs team about? Because last <laughs> year Sheldon Keefe emphasized playing better team defense, and they did during the regular season. And I look at Austin Matthews as a guy who took one for the team. I mean, he went from 60 goals yeah. to 40 goals, which tells you something. A yeah. guy that talented, you know, lost 20 goals, but I think that he was buying in. And just yeah. for what it's worth, I didn't think they defended that well in the playoffs. But anyway, so now we're, we're on to this year. Has that philosophy just been abandoned? Or does Keefe still want them to, to mindful, be mindful of how to play defense and they're just not doing it? So, Mitch, the actual story, uh, believe it or not, on Matthews is that he was playing with one wrist last year, which is so epic. And the fact that he still scored 40 goals tells you everything you need to know about uh, how good this guy is at scoring goals. Like, I don't think we've seen anything like him since, uh, obviously, Ovechkin came into the league. That's how highly I feel about Matthews. And even in a down year, scores 40 goals. I wish I had the answer for you. Um, I, I think the thing that drives Leafs Nation, if you will, crazy beyond belief is how inconsistent this team is, where more times than not, they'll show up. They'll give you a you know a pretty decent effort defensively. Like, I mean, that that's a sidebar story here is in the Sheldon Keefe era. This team has actually been much better than people lead on defensively, considering who they've had on the back end. You know, the Justin Holes of the world. They they've they've made it work, at least in the regular season. Um, so I think to answer your question, yeah, I think Sheldon Keefe would like things to be a bit tighter defensively, but then you look in part and parcel, maybe that's a bit of the acquisitions trying to get their footing a bit. Uh, John Klingberg has been a a downright disaster defensively really hasn't done it offensively either. I I think he's still trying to find his footing. I'm not sure he's going to be able to find his footing. Quite frankly, I think they would have had to have known what they were getting in Klingberg. If they watched any wild games last year, if they watch the Ducks play, if they watch Dallas play a couple of years ago, and I think they're they're taking it right now, but they are banged up a bit too. Like there's no Jake McCabe, there's no Timothy Lilligren. And I think on top of that, they're a team that it's like classic early November looking for their identity. And I think once they find their identity, everything will roll into place. But I think until then, they're gonna play this fire wagon type hockey where they're like no belief in themselves defensively. That's what you're seeing right now. Nick, I don't know if you were in this boat, but you heard a lot of people in the national media talk about the Lightning, and some have even suggested not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. How where, how did we get there from a team that's been, yes, may not win the Cup every year, obviously, yeah. still has a pretty good core. How do we go from, yeah, they may not win the Cup, but they're still a playoff team, to we don't think they're going to make the playoffs? Greg, it's it's the I told you so media. People just want to be right about something. And it's like, oh, never mind about what I got wrong. Here's what I got right. Uh, that that was the focus in the Atlantic Division to start the year, right? Boston Bruins, they stink. They're finished. Well, last time I checked, Boston's really damn good still. Tampa, they're finished. Vasilevsky's done. There's no way. Well, yeah, they got John Cooper, probably the best coach in the world. They, they got some gamers on that roster. I think they're going to be okay. So I think it's I told you so media. In fact, I, I took a bit of heat and shrapnel from my own fan base and media members when I stated, it just stated, and and you guys know this to be true, people were overlooking Victor, Victor Hedman to start this year. He, he wasn't really in the conversation in all circles I was watching in media of being one of the best defensemen on the planet, which I, I went to bat for him. I, I did a hit on NHL Network Radio, and, and, you know, there's a bunch of people within the organization who reached out and said, you know what, thanks for that. And I said, you're welcome, because... 
I think it's so easy to look at, you know, previous years and, and outings and postseasons and be like, oh, this guy's finished. But this is Victor Hedman. And I think this is in general what the Tampa Bay Lightning are. It's like the moment you discount them is the moment they're going to eat you alive. And I think, again, we're going to see that. So um, I believe in this team. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt in, in how I feel about this Tampa team. But I think people are so quick to be like, I told you so. And when it happens once out of 10 times, they they smile like, look, I, I got it right, you know. Nick, let's look to the West. I'm going to give you three teams that I think yep. have exceeded expectations at the start of the year. Vancouver, Anaheim, and Arizona. Will they continue to exceed expectations, or do you think some of those teams are going to come back to earth? Uh, we'll start with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I don't want to call it a layup. Nothing's a layup in this league, but I think that team's legit. Um, the fact that they've beaten Edmonton three times, they've beaten some really, they beat Dallas the other night. They're nine, two and one. They've really taken on the DNA of Rick Tockett. So I believe in Vancouver um, to a degree. I believe in Arizona. I think they're going to be a team sniffing around a playoff spot this year. They'll at least be in the conversation. Um, I, I think they're a team that doesn't get credit because they play in a 5,000 seat barn, but they actually have a lot of talent on that roster. And I think you're seeing it come to the forefront. Now, Logan Cooley turned pro he's on that team. Um, you know, the other guys like Schmaltz and company, I mean, uh, Clayton Keller, uh, you know, the Sean Dersey pickup, I thought was big for that team. And they have the goaltending. Like nobody talks about that is like the job that they've done in bringing in two guys who can actually make a save in uh, Kirill Vamelka, who nobody really talks about Connor Ingram, Ingram, excuse me, has been a great story. And Andre Turney's done a great job. So I, I think they're going to be sniffing around the ducks are, I, th I still think a middling team. Like I think they take that next step forward. Um, I like some of the additions, uh, a veteran and killer Alex Kalorn coming into the mix, made a season debut, his Ducks debut on Sunday in a third-line capacity. They got Frank Vetrano playing out of his mind right now with nine goals in the early going of this season. So I, I think to to a degree, all three teams are legit, but far and beyond, uh, I believe in the Vancouver Canucks are the three the most, obviously. Vegas still the best team out there? Um, like, and th So I put this out, Greg, on Twitter. Like, What's more surprising, Vegas post Stanley cup coming out with this type of start, or is it the Boston Bruins? You can make a case for both teams, but I've been, I think they are to answer your question. Uh, I just been so thoroughly impressed with the buy-in Sean Burke never gets any publicity. He's the goalie coach there to turn, you know, uh, every goalie there in the last couple of years into Cinderella is pretty damn impressive to me. Aiden Hill got a new contract because of Sean Burke. He, he's been a great story. Logan Thompson is back and stopping the puck. To me, I think it's an indictment, quite honestly, on the system. I still can't believe Boston let Bruce Cassidy go, but then you look at what Jim Montgomery is doing there, so maybe it's just time sometimes. But yeah, Vegas is a well-oiled machine, and I think getting back full circle to the conversation, even to an extent with Tampa, you know odds on more times than not what you're going to get on a given night from the Vegas Golden Knights. And unfortunately, when I watch like a team like the Maple Leafs, again, to an extent with Tampa, I'm always careful because they're without Vasilevsky you know what you're going to get from that Vegas team, and I think that's the best part about it. Well, you mentioned system play, and yeah. I know you're on the story, Nick, but there have been a lot of teams that have mm -hmm. looked to adapt or at least <laughs> use part of what Vegas does defensively, which is kind of a, a zone in one, as I understand it. Yeah, and. Yeah. Maybe that's one reason why they can use five goaltenders and all five <laughs> goaltenders seem to do very well is that what's happening in front of the goaltenders is off the charts outstanding. Yeah. I understand it's a copycat league, but in your mind, how much of Vegas's success is based on the system 
as opposed to the actual players they have within that system that not every other team can replicate because they don't have the same players. That's exactly it. It's it's probably a combination of the both, but it's the players. Like you, that's the one we call it a copycat league. But Edmonton is a perfect example of a team. Like you know, we we lost to Vegas. Let's change our structure. And when you can't get a save, I mean that that's going to be difficult. Um, and I think to your point, like the players have to buy into said system. You can't be like, okay, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, everybody, like this is it now. It's going to work. Well, it doesn't work that way. I think that's the one thing that's my lasting memory of Vegas's run. There was complete buy-in on that roster. Every player knew exactly what they were doing. They knew their role. Very similar to Tampa and this dynasty for this team. Every player that comes in knows their role, and they they exceeded expectations. It came together, and that belief continues, right? Like I, I love the fact that Vegas takes like this us-against-the-world approach where it's like everybody counts us out. And then they find a way to get the job done and they play with structure and pace. Like it really is a delight to watch a team like Vegas, especially when I cover a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, I just have no clue who's going to show up, but I think you make a great point that it's about the players in the system as opposed to the actual system itself. Nick Alberga, host and director of Leafs Morning Take, the Nation Network, joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. When you take a look at the, the East in general, I think we feel like it's it's probably deeper, a lot more depth. Is there anybody there that's surprising you that's typically not associated with making the playoffs there, Nick? Mm. So obviously, like it's still pretty early on. We we like to use the twenty game mark as like a benchmark in this league as to legitimize a team or not. Um, I think Detroit, obviously, Steve Eiserman's got a pretty good plan in place. We think with that team, they're off to a good start. They've been, um, you know, going back to the pack a bit. As of late, they're they're probably the team that stands out for me. I think, you know, the big story in the Atlantic has to be like Tampa and Florida and even Boston, like playing above expectation. The Panthers are banged up on the back end. Sounds like Montour and Ekblad specifically are closing in on a return over the next couple weeks. We talked about Tampa without Vasilevsky, Boston without Bergeron, Krejci Hall. The list goes on. McAvoy's been suspended. It does not matter. And so, like, that's the big conversation for me. Even, like, in the Metro, the New York Rangers, uh, I thought they would be a team that would make the playoffs, but they would have to really work to make the playoffs. And so far, Peter Laviolette has that team playing really, really well. You know, Jonathan Quick as a backup has been a great story, too. Adam Fox is banged up right now. But to win eight of the first 11 games, Artemi Panarin looks like the guy who played for Chicago. He's an absolute stud, absolute star. And uh, so those are the, some of the bigger stories, I think, early on. But I think Detroit's the one that really stands out to answer your question. Well, Keen, tell us about Montreal, the Lightning's opponent tonight. They have gotten off to a good start, even with the last two losses happening yeah. in the last two games. I can tell you uh, that Tampa better be ready for this game. Uh, the, the Habs, people, for some reason, the last couple of years, especially under Marty St. Louis, sleep on the Montreal Canadiens. And like, it's a, it's a league-wide thing. And then you get to play them, and you're like, damn, they're speedy and they're tenacious. And pretty much everything you saw from Marty St. Louis when he played the game, like that's his team. And I love when teams take on the DNA of their head coach. And that's exactly what you're going to get from Montreal. Um, I think they're obviously a bit offensively challenged. Kirby Doc's done for the year, but... This third line they put together of like this mishmash of vets with Sean Monaghan leading the way. He's been unbelievable. Tanner Pearson comes over in a trade here from the Vancouver Canucks and Brennan Gallagher. That's the line, guys, I would watch out for tonight. They, they've been on fire. And then they have Mike Matheson, who runs the first power play unit for the Habs. 
Uh, he, he's been a really, really good, successful story for that team in terms of a pickup from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that, that's above and beyond, obviously, the lethal release of like a Cole Caulfield. But I, I think Tampa better be ready for this game. And as you know, there's select teams in the division, in the league that give Tampa fits. And I, I think Montreal's among them, as we know. Well, we appreciate you coming on our show. What do you have in store? Let our listeners know where they can catch your work. Guys, I'll tell you, 11 days from now, October 18th, Nick Alberga will be at Amelie Arena for the uh, Matinee Affair, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Edmonton Oilers. Whoa. Do you think Edmonton will win a game between now and then? That's my question. (laughs) Um, I think that question is about San Jose, in all fairness. But (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you're going to be making an appearance. Yeah, so I'm going to be coming down. I'm visiting a buddy in uh, in Jacksonville. We're going to head down, catch a game in Tampa, and I think it worked out perfectly that it's the Oilers in town. Uh, finger, I don't think Vassy's going to be back. I was going to say fingers crossed on Vassy. I don't think he's going to be back just yet, but I'm looking forward to being back in Tampa and just uh, above and beyond that, just continuing to do my thing with the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast and uh, Leafs Morning Take, a daily show on YouTube at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. We're gonna do it again soon, and we're Thank gonna you, see Nick. you here in Tampa soon. Yes, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I see you guys in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that game. Come over to the booth, get get an autograph, or just get a picture with the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. I want a picture with Michigan. Actually, that's my guy. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Love you can Michigan. do all Blame of us. <laughs> Can't Thanks, mark guys. it down. <laughs> all right, buddy. Appreciate Take it. <laughs> Nick Alberga joining us there. How about that? He's gonna be. Yeah. He'll be at Amelie. Didn't he say October 18th, though? I hope he meant November 18th. I want to say I want to say November. Yeah, that's Did when he, the game is. He misspoke. And that'll be fun. Did you take anything away from what he had to say outside of Edmonton? Better be ready. Better be ready. Yeah, well, better be ready for Montreal. I knew that Monaghan had gotten off to a good start. He has had horrendous injury problems the last few years. Remember the year that Calgary won the division with that line with Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Matthew Kachuk, and we were talking with Derek Wills, their radio play-by-play voice, and he was talking about Monaghan. Just like, the guy cannot get healthy. And like there was a question, like he was playing, but he wasn't playing healthy. It's kind of like what we were saying for a time with Stamkos. When Stamkos finally got healthy, his numbers skyrocketed up. I'm talking about recently, right. the last couple of years. It seems like that's happening with Monahan. Yeah. He missed most of last year, and that was a year he was in Montreal. In fact, I can't remember if he even played in any of the games against the Lightning last year. He might have missed all of them. But look, they're not just a young team. Tanner Pearson's won cups. Gallagher is obviously a veteran. Monaghan is now a veteran. He's probably 28, 29, maybe. Matheson's not exactly a spring chicken. I mean, he's not old, but, you know, he's got experience. So we kind of think of Suzuki and Caulfield, right, (laughs) with Montreal and Slavkovsky, their number one overall pick a couple of years ago, who he's found a little, you know, rough going acclimating to the NHL to this point. But I can see why that team is surprising some opponents. And Nick's right. The Lightning should be ready to go. They're going to need to be ready to go. It's true. If you want to react to that interview that we just had with Nick, you can hop on. We had a a couple of people chiming in. Um, 
see here. Okay, TJ chimed in. Um, he says, why change a defensive scheme that won you two cups? Not only are the new guys confused, but so are the veterans. So we have 18 confused defenders. Go figure. Well, it's a process of, of making it muscle memory. But I think the Lightning were not happy with how they defended last year. Yeah. You've got to make some... You've got to make some adjustments. And if you're not changing and tinkering, a lot of people as an organization feel that other teams are are moving beyond what you're doing. Passing mm-hmm. you by, I think, is probably the way I would phrase it. And teams are always looking for that edge. And I, I think also, too, partner, when there's a lot of parity, you feel like you can't become complacent. Right. And people did see what Vegas accomplished with how they play, and they're like, "Well, we can we can play that way too." I do think, and and if I'm being perfectly honest, like the top six for Vegas, they're they're excellent defenders, and they were fairly consistently paired last year. Yeah. So, like, they avoided any kind of like they had a lot of injuries in net. That's why they use so many goalies. But their 6D, and I would have to look it up, but their 6D stayed pretty constant, and they stayed together as pairs. And it's not just the defense, but their defense is really good. I don't think that they overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, they just overwhelmed Colorado. They won, what, 7-0 the other night in a kind of early litmus test between arguably the two best teams in the West, and and Vegas sent a message, I would say. But in the playoffs last year, did they – I know they won the final game by blowout over Florida, but did they really just, like, overwhelm teams? I just think they were so solid and steady. That's how I would describe how they played. And solid and steady can equate to success in the sport of hockey. Yeah, it's valuable. It's a good point. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in that that conversation, you can. I, I do think, though, it's it's a process, and I think coaches, systems, not that you have to validate yourself every year if you're not winning the cup, but I think it's, it's a situation where you, you feel like if you're not making adjustments, you're not evolving, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of what we're seeing here. Is it taking a little bit of time? Yeah, I, I think they'll be okay. Because I think also too, whether you whether you feel it or not, I, I do think having Vassy back a little bit will make a difference. And it's not to take anything away from Johansson because I think he's done as well as he possibly could at this point. But I think you're gonna have your guy back and I think hopefully by then your system is is moving along. And so that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and we'd like to see some of that tomorrow as Nick said, uh, against a, a pretty good Montreal team who's going to be quick, who's going to be fast, and the Lightning will be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, just any closing thoughts uh, before we, we sign off heading into the game tomorrow? And you, know, you can listen to all that coverage right here on, on Lightning Radio. Lightning better be ready. Yeah, that's it's what we're been saying. A, it's, can I use the word roller coaster? I'm Please not sure do. it's been a roller coaster road trip, but it's definitely been... A road trip with some swings to it. But at the end of the day, the Lightning have gotten three points so far. So they have a chance with a win tonight to make it 
I'll call it a successful road trip, particularly given their first road trip when they got one point out of three games. So a regulation loss tonight will make it disappointing, especially because they've had leads in all of the games so far. But they've given themselves an opportunity to come home after a successful road trip. And let's see if they can keep munching points tonight. Partner, appreciate you hopping on again. We'll do it uh, from Montreal tomorrow. Should be live. Tonight? Better make sure you're ready tonight, my friend. Or tonight, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) If I wasn't there, what would You're not going to make me do the pregame show, are you? (laughs) No, no. You know what? Steve would, though. I think Steve would hop on. Yeah, and he would be he would be more than capable. But yes, no, I will, <laughs> I will be there, and uh, we'll have the the recap tomorrow, and of course taking your tweets at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved. And if people want to tweet during the show too, I have enough guests on where I can throw those topics to some of uh, our knowledgeable analysts, and uh, we can have some fun with that as well. Thanks to uh, Steve Ersnick, thanks to Austin Wright, and thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate Nick Alberga as well. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Radio.